Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. This is the only podcast that digs deep into Scripture and then tells you how to apply it to your life so your life has meaning and purpose and you can be a glory to God and be well-pleasing to Him. Do you consider yourself one of the noble elite? One of the most noble peoples in society? You can be. <laughs> Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out the matter. That's an interesting verse. What do you think it means? I don't think God hides main gospel truth so that only a few can find it. It's there for everyone to find. But I do think that God does reward those who study Scripture and loves it when you study Scripture. And when you do, God considers you on the same level as kings. Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, even the book of Revelation starts out by saying there's a special blessing when you study that book. You can be like a king and get special blessings. They're waiting for you when you study Scripture. Here's another thing. In Acts 17, verses 10 through 12, we find this. The Christian brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And then when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, those Jews there were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining, searching, and studying the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, the things that Paul and Silas were saying. Many of them, therefore, believed, including women of high standing as well as men. Why is what they did necessary? They didn't want to blindly take any person's spoken word unless it was lined up with or approved by the gospel truth, by Scripture. When a preacher showed up in town or somebody of some importance speaking, they went to the Bible to see if what they were saying was true. They used the Bible like, like glasses and ran the things that they said through those glasses, the lens of Scripture, some people call it, to make sure that what they were saying was true and lined up with the Bible. That's one of the reasons why we need to study the Bible, so we can accurately determine if what people are saying are true and line up with Scripture. Noble people do that. That's what that passage says. They were more noble than anybody else because they did that. Remember Ronald Reagan? He was famous for saying, trust but verify. And that's what they did. <laughs> Trust but verify. So there's another reason for studying Scripture. So how do we study the Bible? Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15 to study God's Word diligently. And he said, don't be ashamed to do so, nor be ashamed to use God's Word when you're talking to someone else. He said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the suggestions that I gave in an earlier podcast was to 
to help you study the Bible is to find a word or two in each passage that jumps out at you and zero in on that word. I like to call them BAM words. <laughs> there are two BAM words that jump out at you in, in that passage I just read from 2 Timothy 2.15. Let me read it again and see which two words jump out at you. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The first BAM words to me is the word diligently. That means spend time, a certain amount of time every day reading. You don't have to read a lot. It doesn't have to be a long time. But you need to have 100% attention given towards reading God's Word. Now, there are some versions that use the word study there. Being diligent to study God's Word. And that's a really good word. But it's actually much deeper than that. The original Greek word there for diligent actually means not only to study, but to develop a love for, or wanting all that there is. Sort of like studying a very famous painting you love, or, or going to every single football practice because you love the game, and you want to learn all you can about that game, and become really good at it. That's the word diligent. That's a BAM word, isn't it? And here's something too. God wants you to be diligent, and it's a way of glorifying God. Moses said in Deuteronomy 6.17, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. And he adds to that in Deuteronomy 28.1, If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Both passages refer to the Bible and the need to study it, to wholeheartedly learn all you can about it, okay? The other example of a BAM word in that passage is the word dividing, where it says rightly dividing the word of God. Dividing means to correctly dissect or to separate into parts and to study those parts and how they combine to make the whole. The Bible is meant to be studied intently. Even individual sentences and individual words, and then related to the segment in its entirety. The Bible is the only document where the author, God, is so confident in the wording, he tells us to not be ashamed to work hard to study it, even word by word, one at a time if you want, rightly dividing. Bam! <laughs> Give it a try. You'll be amazed at what you learn. One of the ways, as a quick example, that I like to do is to look up each of those words in a passage in Strong's Dictionary. Now, Strong's tells you what the original word is. You know, like in, in the Old Testament, the original Hebrew. And occasionally there's a little bit in Daniel where it's the Aramaic. But in the New Testament, it's the Greek. It's generally what, was, what it was written in then. And it's nice to know what the original words are because the Greeks were a lot smarter than us English folk. <laughs> they, they had a lot of words for specific things, you know, like, like they had you know, six words for the word love, for instance, or something like that, that really helped to explain it better. 
You can either buy a Strong's in the book form, or you can find an online program. eSword does that, eSword.net. And then another one is there's an app that is a Bible app that has the Strong's in it. Many passages in Scripture help us grow and mature as a Christian. You know, the four Gospels can be viewed, especially when studying Jesus, regarding how he reacted to different groups of people or situations and cultural situations that he was in at the time. And we can learn from him and do likewise. The Psalms and Proverbs are great for helping us grow. And other books in the New Testament, such as Galatians, Ephesians, James, Philippians, oh, and First Peter, they're equally nourishing to our spiritual development. So pick one of those and start studying it. <laughs> but whatever you are studying in Scripture, try to live a more biblical life, more like Jesus, and try to use what I call the STEP process, S-T-E-P-P, the STEP process. Okay, so this is the STEP process when studying Scripture. What is the subject of the passage or the main character? Topic. What is the main topic being conveyed? Examples. What are the examples, analogies, parables, illustrations, or other insights used there to make the subject and topic more understandable to you? What are the examples? Principles. After figuring out those first three, you can probably arrive at the main principles the passage conveys. Identify what it is or what they are. And listen for the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Pray for understanding of the passage, which the Holy Spirit will help you with, and the implications for your life. So what are the principles in the passage? And be sure and ask the Holy Spirit to help you find those. And he will. That's what Jesus said was one of the jobs, <laughs> one of the jobs or purposes of the Holy Spirit that Jesus left us when he left here the earth is to illuminate scripture for us, to help us understand it. And he will help you do that. Okay, here's the last P in the step process. Practical application. Practical application. How can you make a real change in your life by applying these principles. Those could include a course correction to make in your life or, or a habit to stop or maybe a habit to form. <laughs> maybe a truth to believe or an error that you have that needs corrected, you know. Or maybe an example to imitate. What's the practical application? How do I take that scripture passage, put blue jeans on it, and go to work? <laughs> right? Okay, so the step process, again, is subject. What is the subject of the passage? The topic. What's the main topic being conveyed? Examples. The examples are parables or analogies. The illustrations to help you get what's being taught. And what are the principles? After you get those first three, what are the principles that they're trying to convey and teach you? And then last P is the practical application of those. So maybe even grab a piece of paper and write down S-T-E-P-P -P, and then scribble down what those things are in that passage. You'll be amazed at how 
really good you start understanding a passage. That's called studying it. (laughs) Here's another suggestion. If it helps, I would take a passage and write down three key points that relate to that passage. This is a great way to learn from the Holy Spirit who helps you understand Scripture, remember? I like to use three points, partly because God exists in three, (laughs) because it's easy to come up with that many in in a short period of time, and we tend to remember three examples more readily than, than many more. So after you've got your step things written down, just write down three things that, that really jump out at you. Three things. It's pretty easy to do, but it takes a little bit of time, but that's okay. That's part of being diligent, right? <laughs> and it's part of rightly dividing. Diligently dividing using the step process, and then three things that really jump out at you. Now, those three things, if you scribbled them down, bring them with you when you go to work if you did this in the morning. Or maybe stick them in your Bible and pull them out later. But try and re- recall what those three things are throughout the day. It'll just keep refreshing in your mind what you read and maybe even become part of your life then. That's cool. Take it from somebody who's done that. It works. Go ahead and buck up and do that. If a tough guy like me can do that, welder, oil-filled welder, construction guy, somebody who's chased away a grizzly from his elk, you can write down three things from a passage and take it with you through the day. I did. (laughs) Okay, on to my next point about studying Scripture. What are the three most important things in real estate? I'm sure you know what they are. Location, location, location. You know what? That applies to studying the Bible, too. Here's what I mean. The first location. When considering a verse, it is very important to get the verse correct by understanding its context. Learn the context of the verse. Learn the context of the verse or the passage by considering what book in the Bible it is from, and how it relates to the whole of that book. You should also read several verses before and several verses after to get an idea of the context. For example, if you pulled out this sentence from a book, Bob was standing at the bank, you need to read before and after to find out if Bob was fishing by a river or depositing his paycheck, right? So the first location is the context. The next location, the second location, is the context of the period or the place and time the passage occurred. It's it's extremely helpful when studying the passage. This can make the passage shine with meaning, relevance, and, and emphasis. You know, for example, John eight twelve, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus said this in the outer courtyard of the temple in Jerusalem, where they had just extinguished a huge menorah, which is a giant lampstand, during the festival celebrating the pillar of fire that lit the way for the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay, so they had a celebration where... They remember this by lighting this huge lamp, and it, 
and, and it lit up the whole area. You could see it for a mile or more. So knowing that menorah lit up that whole area really adds to the wonderful meaning and especially is impactful when you understand that Jesus was also equating himself to that pillar of fire in the wilderness or to that light that guides people. And he did that as soon as the light went out. And everyone's like, oh, you can't see very well. And Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Wow, that's impactful. And that's because you are able to determine the context of the period or the place or the time or the culture, what was going on at the time. A good way of learning that is to get a good study Bible, a Bible that explains things like this. I like MacArthur's study Bible because at the beginning of each book in the Bible is a whole lot of information about it, and a good bit of that is the period of time and the culture and things like like what I just mentioned. The third location is to think about the context of your life. How does the passage apply to what is going on in your life at the time? Here's an example of that. Psalm 37 is especially helpful when you are troubled, discouraged, angry, frustrated with others, <laughs> maybe even distraught. And Psalm 131 is equally helpful when you are stressed, when you're gripped by stress. And Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 tell you how to live in our harsh world and deal with the people around you. That's how to live. So those are passages that really relate to the context of your life. Now, there are most passages that you should be able to do that with anyway. You know, how can I take the concepts learned here and the context and apply it to my life? You can do that, surprisingly, with most passages in the Bible. So remember, the three most important things in studying the Bible are location, location, location. <laughs> What's the context? The context of the individual verses itself. You know, what are the few before and the few after? What are we talking about here? The next is the context of the period or the place or the culture at the time. And the next is the context of your life. How does this apply to your life? Because God's word is God's words to you. How does and what does God speak to you? through that passage. And it is your glory when God speaks to you through his word. It's a wonderful thing. And today's TFL is going to be something along the lines we've just been talking about. As I record this in late October, we're in the Eureka Springs, Arkansas area, and we've been mountain biking after work each day. Well, not each day because it's been raining kind of off and on, but we did get to go out a couple times. And something interesting about this area that we don't really have in Utah or Montana or Wyoming or Idaho where we usually ride is there are leaves on the ground. And these leaves kind of 
congregate either on the trail or in potholes. And because of the breeze or whatever, they just kind of really fill in a pothole to where you cannot see the pothole. <laughs> and you find it with your front tire and your bike, sometimes very unexpectedly. And the result can be damaging to your shoulders and your knees <laughs> as you go down. <laughs> okay, you know what? Satan does that too when we're studying the Bible. He will put leaves on a pothole that he created to kind of trip you up or to make you crash or to derail your experience, <laughs> deride you. <laughs> How about that? I just made up another word, deride you. That's another word for crashing on your mountain bike. <laughs> okay. You know what? There are two main potholes or, or things that Satan puts in your path to try and reduce the experience. <laughs> That's another way of saying crashing on your bike. <laughs> so watch out for these when you're studying the Bible. Okay, here's the first one. What is the meaning of the word? Don't get hung up on a word that seems out of place or doesn't fit well with what the context you were just reading. An example of that is the word world. The word world when we are reading scripture, especially in the New Testament. The word world has three meanings. It can either mean the planet, it can mean people, or it can mean a system. In Acts 3.21, it says, Which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. The word world there is referring to the earth, the planet. Okay? Now, in John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's not talking about the planet here when Jesus said that. He's talking about the people. And here's another one. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We can get hung up on that if we don't realize that the world mentioned there is the world system. The system of things that Satan has kind of set up. In fact, in the next verse, it, it even explains what they are. It says, For all that is in the world... The lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's talking about the system. You know, the super self-centered, materialistic, me-driven world system that Satan has really engulfed our lives with here on earth. So that's one of the potholes that you can hit is by getting the words kind of wrong when you're not really looking at what the context is. You can get a word wrong and therefore have the meaning wrong. And the passage isn't as impactful as it should be, or wrong to you from what it's originally trying to say. <laughs> okay, the next pothole that Satan puts in and then covers over with leaves to trip you up is symbols versus reality. Okay, he tries to get you to zero in on the symbol instead of what the meaning is. A good example of that is during the Last Supper, when Jesus brought about the new covenant, 
And then he gave us a few things to do to remember him by and to remember what this covenant is about. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he held up a cup and said, this is my blood, which is spilled for you. (laughs) And we can zero in on those things and totally miss what the reality of what the passage is or what the meaning that Jesus is trying to convey is. We get hung up on the symbols. Oh, well, this is, this is really Jesus' body. This piece of bread turns into his body. This is his real blood. Oh, come on. The symbol is not the point. The reality of the passage and what the symbol is representing is the point. And that can be a pothole that some people hit on their mountain bike and go flying off of the trail. <laughs> okay? The Pharisees during Jesus' time were really centered on the symbols instead of the reality, and it made Jesus really angry at them. It's like, you're you're missing the point here, guys. (laughs) Don't be like that. So just be aware of those two main potholes in your study of the Scripture. And when you're aware of something, you're looking out for it and avoiding them, or not letting them deride your mountain biking experience, (laughs) your bike ride cause you to go off trail, okay? Get you off of what God is trying to teach you in his word in that passage. That's your TFL, your tip for life. In our next episode, we're going to talk more about the lies that Satan wants you to believe about scripture. I mentioned a few of them in last week's episode, but there are a lot more. And I want you to be aware of them so that you're able to recognize the wiles of the devil. Okay? I need you to know that there are some falsehoods about studying Scripture or about Scripture itself that a lot of people, even a lot of Christians, actually believe. We're going to dispel those in our next episode on the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast. <laughs>